On today's episode of Ask the Planner, we are diving deep into your wedding guest list, specifically who to invite, who not to invite, and how to decide whether or not you should invite them. I know this is a topic that is weighing on a lot of your guys' minds right now, so without further ado, let's get to today's episode. Listening to Ask the Planner. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, owner of Verb Event Co., a company whose mission is to help couples enjoy planning the contemporary, sophisticated wedding they've always imagined. Together with other wedding industry experts, we reveal the crucial details and industry secrets that will help you plan and enjoy your flawless heirloom occasion. So pop your favorite champagne because we have a wedding to plan. Hey guys, it's Desiree. Before we get to today's episode, I wanted to first give a shout out to our sponsors. The first sponsor is our own wedding planning template shop at shop.verveventco.com. Regardless of where you are in your wedding planning journey, this shop has tons of resources I created specifically for you, dear listener, based on a lot of the tools I use with my own clients. My most popular item these days is the ultimate wedding planning checklist for my couples, no surprise there, and the styled shoot timeline and shot list for my wedding pros that are listening as well. Your friends and vendors seriously won't believe how organized you are with all these items in your arsenal. So make sure you visit the shop at shop.verveventco.com. Again, that's shop.verveventco.com. The second sponsor of our podcast is Lovestream. I've used Lovestream with my winnings and my couples are so happy. Not to mention they have excellent customer service, which is huge. Even though we all thought we'd be getting back to quote unquote normal weddings, I still have couples that have guests that aren't able to attend their wedding because they're international or someone became ill and couldn't travel. Luckily, Lovestream is a one-way, high-def, high-quality way to stream your wedding and help your guests feel like they're part of the audience at your wedding, even though they're just sitting on their own couch at home. All they do is click your personal URL and they're able to watch without logging in, downloading an app, or messing with any of their microphone or camera settings. Easy peasy. And for any of you planning a destination wedding, they also offer all-inclusive live streaming destination wedding packages. I really like Lovestream because the platform is so easy to use for any size wedding. And what I love best about the company is their, again, excellent customer service, which has really helped my butt during some very stressful times. They also have a live chat feature, which lets you ask questions before and after you book with them. To get 10% off any Lovestream package, visit verveventco.com backslash Lovestream and enter the code ASK10 for 10% off. Again, that's verveventco.com backslash Lovestream and use our code ASK10 for 10% off any Lovestream virtual wedding package. And now on to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back. Today I am giving you my honest opinion on who you should and should not invite. As a warning, this episode might annoy or irritate some people and you could strongly disagree and that is totally fine. But I want to make this a safe space where you know I'm going to be candid with you and not just tell you what you want to hear, even if it's an unpopular opinion. 
This is a short but super packed episode, so let's get to it. Now, if you're listening to the episode in the car while driving or working out or cleaning the kitchen, the episode show notes can be found at verveventco.com slash 40. That's verveventco.com forward slash four zero. Hey guys, today's episode is a solo episode with me sharing you all my tips on how to trim your guest list. Now, before I get to it, a quick update on life for me. We still haven't moved the couch from the basement into my office, so I might sound echoey for this episode, but I think it'll be fixed in post-production. So anyways, please ignore that if that happens. I would also love to ask your opinion on how you are liking the interview episodes versus the solo episodes. Do you like both formats? Do you prefer one versus another? Let me know. Leave a review in the Apple Podcast and let me know what you vote for or if you like both. That's great too. Also, in your review, make sure you leave your Instagram account handle. And speaking of Instagram, are you guys liking the Reels content that I am making? Do you like it if it's related to a podcast episode or do you like it when it's something funny or something else or do you like all of them? I'm all ears. I mean, I have fun making these reels, but obviously I want them to be things that you guys enjoy. So funny, related to the episode, both, you let me know. I would love to hear. Okay. Also, please leave the show a five-star review in Apple Podcasts and let me know what you think so we can adapt and make it the best wedding planning podcast show ever. Say that five times fast. Also, don't forget to include your Instagram handle in your review. If you're on TikTok, leave your TikTok handle as well and I will come follow you. I'm going to make myself get on TikTok and I would love to connect with you. Speaking of Instagram, if you're one of my new followers on Instagram, thank you so much and welcome. I had a couple reels do really well and I got a lot of new followers. I do my very best to send a welcome audio message to all my new followers, but sometimes I can't keep up with it and Instagram doesn't show me all the new people. So if you haven't gotten a welcome voice message from me, send me a DM and I will be sure to record one for you. Finally, I am toying with the idea of having some kind of Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale in the wedding planning template shop. If you think this is a good idea, let me know either in your podcast review or send me a DM. I always love a good sale, but I do know lots of people will be vying for your attention. So if you're like, I don't really want to deal with it right now, Desiree, don't worry about a Black Friday sale tell me that as well. I know a lot of you guys are going to be thinking about holiday shopping this month. So if you think it's better that I do a new year's sale, I'm up for that as well. So you let me know. Okay. On to today's episode, how to trim your wedding guest list or how to plan your wedding guest list. First, let's talk about why you might want or need to trim that wedding guest list. A lot of times couples initially put their guest list together after they've combined their list with their parents' list, and then they realize, oh crap, we have 250, 300, 350 people on this list, and that is really, really big. Now, I know the saying is, the more the merrier, but at some point, you are going to have to draw the line and not invite everyone you would like for a couple of reasons. Reason one, your venue cannot accommodate all of those guests. Number two, it's hard to spend quality time with all 300 people. It just is, guys. It's a matter of math. There's you, there's your partner, there's so many minutes and so many guests, and you are not going to have time for everybody. So you're going to have to either 
have a long weekend affair from Friday to Sunday and try to see everyone throughout the weekend. But that might not be possible for everybody and people that might come for the whole weekend. Also, you and your partner can try to take on a divide and conquer approach where you guys are just saying hi for two minutes to different members of the family separately because as a pair, you can't cover enough people in the amount of time you have, which definitely some people do. Some people find that stressful, so it's up to you, but that is an approach. Reason number three is your budget can't fit all 200, 250, 300 guests, or however many you have on the list, 150 even. I've talked a lot about this in previous episodes, like episode 21, 20, and 26, but once you figure out all the costs, you realize each additional guest costs you between 250 to $500 or more when you factor in the meal, tables, chairs, flowers, favors, all of the things. So when you're putting together your guest list, it becomes a little bit more stressful and something that you're gonna probably end up putting off. Of course, you don't want to offend someone. You feel crass or cold-hearted when you take someone off the guest list, I get it. But you know, when I got married, we chose a smaller venue so we could have a more intimate wedding. We had 108 guests total, and refining the list was really, really challenging. So I'm gonna tell you a story. I invited my boss at the time when I was working, who I thought I was really, really close to. We went out together, not a ton, but like we went out sometimes and we were friendly and you know we had a really, really good time. I ended up leaving that position soon after Mike and I became engaged. My boss came to my wedding a year later, but sometimes I wondered if she felt that attending my wedding was a burden or an unwanted obligation because I invited her and she felt like she had to come. To this day, I still wonder if I should have just saved that seat for someone else or not made her come, but obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. so oh well, but you know, hopefully you can learn from my experience. I know that trimming the guest list to a number that works for both of you and perhaps your parents is a really unhappy chore, but all engaged couples must do it. So in today's episode, I'm going to help you decide who you should invite and who you can let go of without feeling guilt or remorse. Now we're gonna go through seven different categories of guests and talking about who should make the cut and who should not. My one big rule, which is going to apply to all of these categories, is to draw a line and be consistent. When you make exceptions for one person or there's a gray area or there's confusion or whatever, that's when feelings can get hurt. But I promise that if you are consistent and you listen to this episode, you will feel much better cutting down your guest list so that at your wedding, you can spend time with the people that you really care about the most. Okay, so the first category is a very obvious category. It is your relatives. So the size of your wedding determines how far out the family tree you're going to venture. Immediate family is almost always a given. But for cousins and distant relatives, I recommend you pick a specific degree that you will go out to and stick to it. So for example, you invite first cousins only, no second cousins. Or you could invite family you see every year or every other year, but if you only see them once every five years, don't do it. Or you could invite only adult first cousins, but no children. It's easier to feel confident in your choices if you are consistent with where you draw that line in the sand. The only time that you can bend this rule is when you're talking about both of your families together. So your family, 
and the rules you make for your family are going to be different for the rules that you make for his family, potentially, or their family, his and hers. So if you invite your second cousins, it doesn't mean that your partner needs to invite their second cousins as well because they never see them, or you see yours every year and they see theirs once every four years. So consider your individual family situations instead of comparing your family and your partner's family. So when we were putting together our guest list, my husband comes from a really, really big family and they have a family reunion every year, every summer on July 4th on Canandaigua Lake with 80 to 90 people. So guys, I see these people every year, at least once a year. And my family is also big, but we are much more spread out. Some of us live in the Philippines, Brazil, Japan, Korea, we're all over. And a lot of my second cousins, I rarely see. So I thought it was important to invite his first and second cousins because we literally see them every single year, at least once a year, but not my second cousins. And I felt fine with that. I didn't feel like mine were getting shortchanged or anything because they weren't going to see them. I invited all of my aunts and uncles and my cousins, but I knew they probably weren't going to be able to come anyways. But obviously I wanted them to come. But because our venue was smaller, we didn't invite the children of his second cousins because we just couldn't fit them all. Because once you go down and, you know, you invite the adults, that's one thing. But then all of the adults have multiple, multiple children. Again, I think the maximum capacity in the venue was 120. We couldn't invite all of the kids. Every family situation is different, but family is going to be the one that's going to be most difficult. So think about that one carefully. Okay. Second category, category number two is the friends category. So common questions couples ask me a lot are, do I need to invite all of his insert general friend group here? I'm making air quotes. Do I need to invite all of his fraternity brothers? Do I need to invite all of his college friends, his high school friends, his soccer friends, whatever it is? He hasn't seen them in years. Do I really have to invite them? So for friends, a common rule some people go by is to ask yourself, Have we had dinner with this person in the last year? Or can we see ourselves going out to dinner with them in the year after our wedding? Are we certain we will be close in five years, in 10 years? Have you known this person for a really long time? If it's going to be awkward that you didn't invite this person and you're going to see them all the time, consider putting them on your list. If you were close before, but you've lost touch with this friend, maybe put them on a B list. Now, this could also be the time that you start to distance yourself with people that you don't see being friends with forever and ever. So another story, when we were planning our wedding, I just moved into an apartment with a girl I went to high school with, and we were friends and acquaintances, but not super, super close. She was two years older than me. We were on the cheerleading squad together, so we didn't go to college together or anything, but we were both in the same city after graduation, and so we're like, let's be roommates. It's great. We didn't hang out socially, but we were much closer to the roommate status, you could say. Like, we didn't go out a lot together. But, you know, we were friendly and cordial to each other because we were roommates. So in that year when I was planning the wedding, I put a little more distance between us because I knew I wasn't going to be able to invite her. Again, we had to have a small wedding. So I was just like, I'm just going to start separating myself from this so that it's not as awkward when I don't invite her. I wasn't cold or mean to her. We just had separate lives. I also spent a lot of time at my boyfriend's apartment. So I think that kind of also created some separation as well. And I think she was okay with it. 12 years later, I still think it was a good decision and I don't regret that one. I don't think about that one a lot like I do with my boss that I did invite. 
So when you're putting together your list, focus on the quality of time you want to have with your guests, not the number of guests. Okay, our next category of people, number three on your wedding guest list, are the trades. These are the people that you feel obligated to invite to your wedding because they invited you to theirs, but you don't really know if you really want to invite them. For this category, see rule number two that I just talked about in the friends category. If you received an invite to their wedding, it doesn't mean you have to invite them to yours. I know this can be hard to hear, but this is your wedding Your priorities and your resources are different. The vibe of your wedding is also going to be different. If the person or couple in question gets upset when they weren't invited to your wedding because they invited you to theirs, they're not as good of a friend as you thought. Having just gone through the whole wedding planning process themselves, they will probably be the first to understand how stressful it is to put together that guest list and they will likely be very understanding. In addition, they may appreciate not having to pay for a hotel room and take off work for your wedding. They may or may not send a gift, and that's totally fine. I mean, I remember when all of my friends were getting married, and we were going to literally 13 weddings that summer, not even like the whole year, but that summer. If I didn't get invited to somebody's wedding, because even though I invited them to mine, I would have been fine with it because I'm like, great, that's one less wedding gift I have to buy. That's one less weekend I have to take off. That's one more weekend I get to myself. So I was fine with that. The one caveat to this trades category, which also applies to the friends category that we talked about earlier, is those people who are mutual friends of people that are invited. So make sure your friends who are invited are aware of the situation and know who is not invited. In these kinds of situations, I think that it's best to spare both parties awkward conversations down the road if they know if someone is or is not invited. So if you're worried that they might talk, those two people, like the one that's invited and the one that's not invited, if you're worried that they're gonna talk about it, it wouldn't hurt to have a conversation with the friend that's not being invited to say, hey, We had to make some really tough choices and unfortunately we're not able to invite you to our wedding. I would still love to celebrate with you at a different time though. So if you're up to grabbing dinner or drinks with us, let's plan that now. But unfortunately, like we had to have a smaller wedding so we weren't able to invite you to the wedding. That way it's out in the open. It's not like a dirty little secret. People aren't going to be wondering like, is she inviting me? Is she not inviting me? Does she invite that person? Is she not inviting another person? All that kind of stuff. And people will be very appreciative of the fact that you took the time out to call attention to the situation and address it. Again, ambiguity just creates problems. Okay, our next category, number four, is the office or your coworkers. This may be a lot easier now because of COVID and the pandemic because a lot of people are working from home or you're seeing your coworkers a lot less. I feel like when I was you know, planning my wedding, I saw all my coworkers every single day and I you know, had happy hours with them and all that kind of stuff. That's probably changed a lot, but who knows? Maybe if you're listening to this episode in 2023, everything's back to normal, but who knows? However, I'm still going to address the whole coworker situation. Like I mentioned already today, it's important to be consistent when it comes to inviting coworkers. Either you should invite your whole department or no one at all. I think being consistent, again, is the name of the game in this whole wedding guestless situation. Now, do keep in mind, if you have someone that's kind of nosy and is always in everyone's business, try not to share too much about your wedding to that person or the office in general because those people are gonna get super excited and then they're gonna get emotionally invested in your wedding and then it's gonna be even more awkward when you don't invite them. The exception to this office, you know, 
everyone or no one rule is if you hang out with a coworker outside of work a lot. So if you go to, to brunch with this person or dinner with this person and they're a friend and a coworker, I think the rule of all or none does not apply. So for example, if you have like one or two besties that everyone knows, you guys always hang out together, everyone probably knows that you're going to invite them to your wedding because you guys are connected at the hip and you're just going to invite them. But again, like I said, limit your discussion about the wedding at work so coworkers don't get invested in the wedding. The sticky part about this topic or this category is whether or not to invite your boss. If your boss is someone that you work with on a daily basis and you see often, they might feel slighted if you don't invite them and they hear that you're inviting a lot of other people from work. However, if you're planning a more intimate affair and this is well known among your colleagues that you're not inviting a lot of people, your boss is going to appreciate the pass so you, they don't have to make small talk all night with someone that they just met. That's also not fun for them. So I think it's fine to spare them that awkward having to meet a bunch of people that they don't really care about situation and letting them not come to your wedding. Okay, so let's recap before we go on to the next items. We're going to recap the first four categories. Uh, First category, number one, is your family. So consider your individual family situations instead of comparing your family and your partners and make sure that you're consistent within your family with who you decide to invite. Number two, your friends. Again, be consistent, but be cognizant of social circles if you choose to invite some but not all of a group or a group of friends. Three, the trades, the ones that you feel obligated to invite but don't necessarily want to. I think it's fine if you don't invite them. I feel like these pity dates or these obligation invitations are probably going away a lot. So, you know, think about those, but I feel like you should feel empowered to not invite them. This next category, number four, are your coworkers and your boss. Be kind, respectful, and consistent. Invite those with whom you're very close to and socialize with outside of work. And keep the wedding planning talk to a minimum at the office. Okay, category number five is the plus one. Oh, the plus one. This is often the first place where couples go when they want to shorten that guest list. Probably you're thinking the same thing. You're like, oh, do I have to invite that person? Do I have to give them a plus one? So whether to allow unmarried guests to bring a guest is an issue a lot of couples like you agonize over. On one hand, you don't want to risk your friend or family member being left out if they only know you and maybe your your spouse. However, writing and guest feels a little bit impersonal because you don't know who they are. Not to mention, which is the, probably the very obvious thing in the room, the elephant is you're going to have to spend a lot of money on a stranger you may never see again. And I get it. That is annoying. So we're going to talk through this. So in this case, my stick with your line rule applies again, the being consistent thing. Make sure you're consistent with who receives a plus one and who does not. If you choose not to give most guests a plus one, give them special, special attention during seating. Seat them with someone that will engage with them and make them feel welcome. You know, everybody has that really talkative, chatty friend that's like, oh my God, hi, how are you? Like, tell me about your life story. And like, I would love to get to know you. Like that person, seat them with people that are going to make sure that they also have a good time and would love doing it. However, I do strongly believe that if a friend or relative is engaged or they have a long-term or live-in partner, you should invite them. You should give them that plus one. So I'm going to give you guys another story. Many of you all know I went to college with my now husband who is one year older than I am. 
So I was friends with his friends and even the grade above him. I was basically the only girl that Mike dated in college, even though we weren't always official, but that's to be expected because it was college. Anyway, after graduation, one of his fraternity brothers got married and we'll call him James. I was friends with James for two years. I went to formals with them, like fraternity formals several times. I was friends with his girlfriend because, you know, we often went out together for dinner before the formal. And so I knew his fiance, the James's fiance. So, you know, after college, Mike and I were in a long distance relationship for I think one or two years. It was a while. And then when James got married and Mike did not receive a plus one to the wedding, but all of his fraternity brothers did, it hurt my feelings because I didn't know why all of the girlfriends received an invitation except for me because I literally knew everyone that was going from from college. However, I was mature and I accepted it and I was like, it's fine. Like, you know, it happens. Weddings are expensive. But Mike, my husband, did not go to that wedding because he didn't like that I wasn't invited. He was like, everyone else has a date and I don't get one. Why is that? So, you know, he didn't like that and he didn't go. Maybe they didn't want him, Mike to come because it was, you know, another person just to add to the list. They're like, well, if we don't invite Mike, then that means that's two people that don't come. I don't know. Of course, I don't know what the reason was for not inviting me. And I do remember them extending some kind of olive branch of some sort afterward because I, we could tell that they felt bad. And I think they realized that they probably should have invited me. It's fine. We moved past it. We celebrated James's 30th birthday all together with all of our friends in Nashville. So, you know, we've moved on and it's fine, but we still remember it. So anyways, that's just something to think about. So in summary, just be careful who you give a plus one to and who you don't and be consistent whatever you do. Also, if your guest doesn't know anyone else at the wedding, the kind thing would be to give them a plus one. Maybe they won't bring a date, but as the host, you should also want your guests to have a good time too. So just my thoughts on that. Okay, the next category are the children. Number six, children. Oh, the children. It is very common to have a kid-free wedding for a number of reasons. Like I'm sure all of you guys are like, we just want a kid-free wedding. However, some of you might be thinking, you know, I have a lot of young cousins. You know, I can't picture myself getting married without them at my wedding. Now, especially during the pandemic and the post-pandemic world, the question of bringing children is still a hot topic that's going to be debated a lot among families and couples getting married. It's hard. I get it. It's obviously a very obvious way to trim your guest list when you exclude the children. Like I mentioned, we did not invite the children of the second cousins because we couldn't fit them at the venue. Now, if you don't want children at your wedding, make sure your invitation clearly indicates who you are inviting. And as with the situations I've already mentioned, make a rule and stick to it as to who gets to bring their children and who doesn't. For example, only the children in the wedding party could bring their children or only children over 13 can come. Or maybe you do only adults over 18 and babies under six months or babies that are nursing get to come. However, many couples have more than one child and they're going to have a hard time separating them if one of the children is not allowed to come and then the other one is. So definitely keep that in mind. They'll probably just leave all of them at home but that's something to keep in mind for sure when you're dealing with families. Now, after you mail the invitations, call the couples with children so that there are no surprises or misunderstandings. I know it's annoying to send a text message if we really don't want to, but just say something like, 
We mailed our invitations, and we really hope that you can join us. We are having an intimate wedding and are only having children of X and state your rule here attend. We would love you to be with us, so I wanted you to have ample time to arrange for a sitter and, and consider this an excuse to go out without your children. If guests are not local, provide a list of babysitters so it's easier for your guests to attend. That will actually really go a long way. On a personal note, my husband and I love any excuse to go out with our children. You know I love my children. I talk about them all the time, but an adults-only child-free night is always welcome. Luckily, my in-laws live five minutes away and our kids are at the age where weekends with the grandparents are a real treat. So we always take advantage of it. Some people, unfortunately, don't have that situation. So and they're not as fortunate as we are to have someone that, that can watch the kids for a long weekend. So keep that in mind. Or, you know, if you want them to bring the children maybe to the ceremony and then say it's a kid free reception, help them find a babysitter and they can have fun. Another thing that we used to do in when I was planning meetings and events is we would have a kid room. So all of the adults are in the dining room. They're having fun. They have the band. If the venue has another space where you can make it kid friendly, like you have, I don't even know what kids play now, Xbox, Wii, Nintendo Switch, whatever, you set them up with like a TV and movies and do popcorn. I, I don't know, something fun. So they're still able to come. You have a babysitting service that stays with the kids. That way, everyone gets to have a good time, And but you're not having to worry about kids running around that are unsupervised and like causing havoc and mayhem, but they're still there. So that's something to think about as well. Venues do offer kid meals. So if you're worried about them getting like an adult meal and you're paying $150 for a kid meal, they do have kid meals. So make sure you ask about that as well. Okay, enough about kids. Our last category or topic is the former friend. So what happens if you send a save the date to someone and you guys have a falling out? You probably know it's a pretty big deal to tell someone about your wedding and then change your mind. So before you uninvite them, consider your friendship and how you want it to move forward. Also, think about the message that you're going to be sending when you invite them or you don't invite them. If you don't invite them, you're basically saying, peace out, friendship over, see you never, right? Like, I don't want to see you again. If you do invite them, you are definitely taking the high road and leaving the decision to them whether or not they come. Plus, I think this way you're leaving the door open to a possible reconciliation. Of course, I don't know your situation, so it's up to you if you want that reconciliation, if that bridge has been burned severely, or it's possible to be repaired and fixed. I don't know. That's up to you. But definitely, if you're thinking about uninviting somebody because of a falling out, not because of a COVID situation, definitely think about the kind of message that you're sending. Obviously, with COVID and the pandemic and all that kind of stuff, if, you, if you're if you having to change your guest list and you originally intended to invite them and then you weren't able to afterward because of restrictions or whatever, that is a completely different situation. And it's definitely okay to have to not invite people. And I think people have been very, very understanding and patient when couples have to do that. Again, it's the same thing that I said earlier with the whole kid thing, like, or I think it was the friends category. You know, we unfortunately have had to reduce our guest list for for a number of reasons. We're very disappointed, but we still would love to celebrate with you at a different time. Um, we're sorry that you are not, we're not able to 
invite you to our wedding, but please know that it was a very you know challenging decision and we want to go out to dinner with you at another time. And that's fine too, guys. Definitely, especially with COVID and the pandemic, people are just used to that and it's not, a, I feel like it's not a big deal anymore. And sometimes a lot of people are really relieved because they don't have to make that choice. So yeah, so that's really good. Okay, so that kind of wraps up today's episode. In conclusion, I do want to remind you that it is your wedding. It's a very important day. I want to make sure that you spend it with the people that you care for and want to connect with. So if you are on the fence about inviting someone, I hope that this episode gives you clarity and maybe takes away some of the guilt that you've been having on whether or not to invite somebody or not. Make sure you make those rules about who you invite and don't invite and you stick to them. Being consistent with who receives a plus one, whose kid can come, who is able to come from your family versus not being consistent and not having a gray area is really going to make it a lot easier for you guys. Um, I know not every situation is black and white and it's going to be difficult because you're going to want to invite some people and not, but trust me, like you're going to save yourself a lot of grief if you are just as consistent as possible. Now, I do have some help for you. If you need help organizing your guest list and keeping track of it, you can get a free copy of my guest list template at verveventco.com slash guest list, one word. That's verveventco.com forward slash guest list. So check that out. It's totally free and it's a great Google Doc to help you organize. Google Doc, I can't remember, to help you organize all of your names. It's awesome. That is it for today's episode. Again, the episode show notes and links are at verveventco.com forward slash 40. That's verveventco.com forward slash four zero. If you have any follow-up questions regarding your guest list, please make sure you leave the podcast a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. That would be awesome. And include your question in the review. I read every single one and I will be sure to answer your question in a future episode and include your Instagram handle in your review so I can give you a shout out and follow you back. Also, if there are specific guests you guys want me to interview on the podcast, let me know who it is in your review as well, and I will do my best to reach out to them. I am interviewing a wedding website specialist and a wedding gifting expert, and I can't wait to share those interviews with you guys. Guys, I'm just having so much fun with all these interviews, so keep your suggestions coming. If you want even more help with your wedding planning, I am only a phone call away and you can set up a 90-minute clarity call with me at verveventco.com slash clarity and we will talk through all your specific questions and the drama that you are having to deal with and hopefully get you some clarity. Now, if your wedding is around the corner, the clarity call is great for trying to figure out what is left for you to do on that list of to-dos and prioritizing so that you guys can divide and conquer. If you're just getting started with your wedding planning, it's also helpful for you to figure out how to tackle that growing checklist and focus on the big milestones that are most important right now. If you are excited to plan your wedding on your own, make sure you check out my wedding template shop or the wedding planning template shop at shop com, And of course, if there's something that you're looking for that's not in the shop, just let me know. I love creating resources for you guys that would help you. So let me know what you need and I'll do my best to create it. Finally, last plug, 
please don't forget to leave the podcast a five-star review for this episode. Reviews are so helpful to us podcasters because it helps other listeners find the show. If you're listening to this right now, it means you like this podcast, you really like me. So please leave the podcast review. That is it for episode 40. In episode 41, I am interviewing Dana Arnold of Dana Arnold Photography on all things related to your engagement photo session. So make sure you catch that episode. She shares a lot of great tips from where to have your photo shoot, what to wear, where to shop, and so much more. Guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I love having you all. I love talking to you all. I would love to hear from you. I will talk to you soon. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to Ask the Planner. To make sure you enjoy planning your heirloom occasion, visit asktheplannerpodcast.com where you'll find show notes and ways to connect with me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so other couples can find the show and plan their flawless wedding just like you. 